live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. You're listening to live from the path with Tony from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. It's going to be with you. Here's hey, here's how the show's going to be right away. I'm going to tell you how it is. We've we've got this we've got this under control. So uh, we missed last week, and I was so disappointed because I, I wasn't feeling very well, and I thought like I haven't legitimately had stories ready for the show for such a long time. Yeah, and so I'm dragging some of it up front. So first of all, there's a kerfuffle with the with Jesus people about Lauren. You, you guys know Lauren Daigle? Yeah. Uh, Mike, what's the what's the song she sings? How can it be? What's that? You bring you in my love. I don't actually know uh, yeah. the words. Moved a mountain. Yeah. You guys really anyway. seem like you know her. Hold on, I, no you, clue. I'll do some research. What are you, what are you anyway, up? fairly popular. Put research team on it. <laughs> um, so so anyway, she went. She you was say. invited to sing on the Ellen Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, this. and I mean, there was a there was a squall. There was a squall about this on whether you should take the talents that the Lord has given you and use them in front of people who don't love Jesus. I, I thought I thought they solved that like in the eighties, maybe the seventies. <laughs> yeah, they had that conversation and with, with bands that were like, "Well, we're not Christian; we're just Christians." Thing. No, you can't do that. You have to have praise albums. Yeah, hey, wasn't actually, that when Michael W. Smith was on Johnny Carson? People were all feisty. Huh? You just made that up. Yeah, it's you real possible. I was going to say what. <laughs> I'm not very prevalent in the community, but anyway. I feel like I might have heard about that by now. Anyway, I, so I think Dan's, I think Dan's right, and it's, it didn't occur to me until you just said that that the people who still have a problem with this might be from 1972, so they could still be alive. <laughs> the same people who are upset could still be alive. That's right. That, They're that still be. kicking. They've gotten a hold of Facebook. They're yeah. the age of Ellen. This is why the Lord does things in generations. He goes, you know what? I just can't deal with you guys. <laughs> you guys are you walking us? Wrap this generation up. Yeah. I gotta wait till you pass. <laughs> 150 years, that's a long time. Oh, 900, man. never again. <laughs> anyway, it goes 60. Six things <laughs> I hate, seven things we I We certainly despise. aren't Methuselah anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. probably a very good thing. You guys right. wear me out. So we're going to we're gonna talk about, touch on that a little bit. Uh, and then Dan had, um, uh, we're talking about Josh, Josh Harris' reaction to, he had put out a, um, a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And then uh, now he's... I think it's fair to say he's reversing, he's reversing course. He's saying kiss hello. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. sweet, sloppy kiss. It's coming back in. And so... Um, he's I, written I, another book apologizing. Yeah. And I, it's, here's the deal. It's, it's kind of a bold thing to come out and say, look, this is how you are to uh, date. Not date, but like a courtship or whatever. To not date. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's, yeah. How to, here's how to not date. And then, you know, after some time, be able to come back and say, look, I, ha- I got it wrong. And like I, it was. A, I think it's very cool. It's a very cool thing to be able uh-huh. to come back. And so, like, I thought it'd be interesting um, to take a look at kind of what he had written, um, and then kind of set the framework of, of what has changed about that. He, he that, made me pretty concept. unpopular with some people. Did I you? Did you going, do that? I think Dan? you should date. And they're like, no, this guy says you shouldn't. I'm like, I think that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've never been on the bandwagon. He wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, Dan, you've written a book. You should have gotten your book out. That's right. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Dan, let's let's clear this up right now. There should never be a situation in which you try and win an argument by bringing your own book into no, it. No, no, no. Okay, just saying. especially considering what I wrote. You were wonderful. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're, we're going to touch on that. Uh, and then there was a uh, 
there was a there was a, a Barna research about how is Christian faith lived out on the job. Now hold on, Ben. You promised you wouldn't bring any more Barna survey no. stories in here. No, I said that was <laughs> I had every intention not to do that. But as just but like, somehow, just like Josh Harris, I repent of those ways, and I'm going to speak about it differently today. Okay, we're going to back around. Okay. Remind me to tell you about a story I heard in Colorado a few weeks ago from um, oh, the guy who's always doing the anyway. Doesn't matter. A, a guy you recognize the name, but I can't think of it at Stetzer. the moment. Jimmy Swagger. No, uh, an, analytical guy. Uh, Ed Stetzer. Is it Ed Stetzer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stetzer. Um, about statistics and, and, and Nerd. how wrong they can be. <laughs> We everyone would know them. He didn't say only nerdlingers. Even the thrift store priest is disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ed, <laughs> big, big Eddie. Okay. Anyway, that's uh, that's what's going on. Hey, and and just just to note, so if let's say you've been hesitating to to use the complaint line because you thought I don't want to be the lone guy, uh, we did get a sweet, uh, we did get a submission on the complaint line, and it contained both uh, uh, some encouragement. And uh, a necessary uh, point out that we often waste the first three and a half minutes of the show. That's I think, frankly, unlike today, I think that's being generous. I agree. I mean, I feel like the first <laughs> seven or eight is worth chopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Times, uh, but but God bless him. I, I, I was actually uh, both in, in, in. I was rightly encouraged by that, and uh, frankly, we're trying to clean up our ways. So thank you kindly for the submission of the complaint line. And uh, you know, duly if, noted. If you have other things that you want to complain about or provide encouragement. Encouragement, I think that's an anomaly. But if you have a legit complaint, uh, go ahead and hit us up at the complaint line. That's uh, 515-517-0085. That's call or text, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, so uh, it's, it's a hot-button issue, but I'm going to touch on it because it came up at my dinner table tonight, and I was Ooh. talking about it with, uh, with the ladies. So um, the, the caravan, the caravan of people heading towards the country. Which one? It's, uh, oh, there's uh, like four. Is there a uh, way there's multiple? Oh, yeah. I, I only catch a uh, partial wind because I don't really listen to the news much. Gotcha. I shouldn't use the phrase partial wind. <laughs> it means something, means something different at my house. <laughs> anyway, um, so we, we got talking about it uh, with, with my two kids. They're, they're 9 and 11, and uh, it, was, it was a real interesting conversation because they didn't understand why it was even an issue and what happens when someone gets to the border of our country and whether we should just let people in or whatever. Right? And it got me to thinking more and more about, about our uh, Christian voucher system. You know what I'm saying? Where I feel like, uh, we should vouch, we should vouch for people and take if if this is your thing where you say hey listen we should let people in and uh, and 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 I, there's a there's a lot of broad swath where I, I agree with you actually that we should we should let people in but we should also take responsibility for them and so um, I was talking to the girls about it and 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 they actually came up with a with my with my regular solution which is well can't they just come live with us and then we'll take care of them until they get up on their feet I'm like yeah yeah that's, that's awesome. that sounds like a person uh, a perfectly reasonable solution. To, to satisfy our heart for people and our, our love for those who are struggling or leaving something they don't want to be in because it's not good for them. I get it. it. It all makes perfect sense. But we, we run into start to run into an economics of scale kind of operation where we go, where we're, I don't know if we're prepared to deal with this on a, on a mass level. But if you had people vouching for them and say, look, we'll take care of them. Why don't you come let them live at my place? I'll take care of them financially, and we'll make sure they get set up with a whatever, and they can live with us until they get up on their feet. And it seems like a solid win for me. And then everything else gets gets caught in this weird gray line, you know, where we're we're shoving a lot of responsibility off on other people when it probably is our responsibility to do. Now, the question that that I had for you fellows was: Do we even have the mechanism to do that? Can I vouch for somebody from uh, another country and be like, "Hey, Javier can live with me"? No. Him, and, him and his family. Cool. No, there's not no, a mechanism not yeah. to adopt a yeah. migrant. Yeah, see, we should be pushing for that. It has to go through the government, which is the problem. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing. They can still run them through the regular checks or whatever. You know, it's not like we're saying that you know, like you, they just get to bypass all 
terrorism checks or, or background or whatever. I think that's completely legit. But I'm just saying, look, I'll, I'll vouch for them. They can come live with me. I'll take responsibility for them. If they go off the range or start thieving a bunch of stuff, I'll know about it and I'll report them. It's like having a parole officer. Yeah, kind of, until they get set up on their feet. I mean, I do the same thing with my kids. I don't just set them loose in the world right. and say, go on, do whatever the heck you want. I'm in charge of guiding them and getting them a place where they need to be because I understand how this how this this part of the world works. I feel like it's a perfectly good solution, and we should we should be pushing for that. Actually, it's interesting you mention that because like, there was a really good – now, it's long, and, I, and I, um, I, I thought about talking about it this week, but because it's so long, and I don't like to take him out of context because the context is super important – um, but remember uh, Matthew Loftus, who we talked about on the uh, the healthcare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So he wrote an article at Mirror Orthodoxy called um, "Who Was My Neighbor," and it was about um, uh, it was about talking talking about how we rightly think about you know c- kind of like that the migrant caravan. Um, but like in the two terms of which we are trying to grasp, like what, what what people tend to do on this particular issue, and frankly with a lot of issues, is we land on we act like those two things, the, the responsibilities of a government and our responsibilities to the kingdom of Jesus are not both in play here. And so like we, we do the we do the issues a disservice when we act like those both things are not in play. And that's that's where the conversations start to become pretty unhealthy. And so Anyway, it's 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 a long article, and if I could have figured out a better way to summarize it, maybe maybe we can talk about it next week. But if you go to Mirror Orthodoxy and just do a search for Matthew Loftus, or it's on the front page there. Um, I I always like him. I find him, um, I find him thoughtful. I find that he is um, reasoned. Uh, he is reasoned, and I and I find that he often like um, properly anticipate. He doesn't just like dodge things that someone might think, but like as long as you don't bring it up in your article, you don't have to deal with it. I find that he does a pretty good job of at least saying, you know. Hey, is this a consideration of yours? Great. Here's here's how we can think about it. Um, but like I said, it's a long article. I would encourage you to read. I read it earlier this week, and I thought um, I we, I don't agree on on all of it, but like um, I thought it was well done, and and I always enjoy his perspective. It's like reading a C.S. Lewis, where you're like, yeah, I agree, and then he goes, well, if you think that, then you're wrong, because then it'll be this, and you go, dang it, <laughs> man, and then C.S. Lewis will contradict himself again and go, but if you believe that, you'd have to believe this. I'm it's like, like dang, it's like dealing with Paul and Romans. Like yes. he's talking, you're like, boy, I should sin so that grace may abound. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> oh, oh, I love your thinking. Dang, I should read the whole thing. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to not commentary until I read the, read the rest. <laughs> Actually, we were, we were studying uh, James 2 this week, the back half of James 2, when he's talking about faith and works. And it's funny. Like I, it just, it, I, I forget sometimes how often, um, especially the letters to the church, the epistles, are, are like they're bringing all kinds of um, like uh, fake, fake people in there. Like fake people arguing against it. Like, oh, you say this. I'm like, no one actually said that, James. <laughs> but like, yes, but you're thinking it. James puts on a wig and a mustache. <laughs> Got it on the complaint line. <laughs> and Cornrovius said this. Cornrovius. <laughs> okay, so um, l- let's talk about this Lauren Daigle first. So like she went on, she is, she's a Christian artist. Mike, did you do any research? No. Oh, man. Here's you... the thing, because I, I have about a one-sentence rebuttal after you're done with this, with this opening. Go ahead. Okay. So right. things you say. Uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, she, she's she's fairly popular and has been growing in popularity. Uh, she shows up at my house on the Pandora stations all the time. She's up there hanging out. Uh, so anyway, she got invited to come on the Ellen Show, and she was excited about it and said, "Hey, we're gonna go do this." And like, there was a pretty significant backlash on her Facebook page. And I took like a, a snippet of a few, and like a few were like, "You used to be my favorite artist. Now I can't listen to you at all. This is disgusting." Or um. Like, Paul was very clear that uh, this type of behavior is wrong. I think Ellen's behavior as a lesbian. Um, and so, um, you know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to unfollow your Facebook page, and I will tell everyone to burn your albums. I'm like, boy, that's, man, that, wow. got, that got super harsh. Um, and th- there was a lot of supportive, um, there were a lot of supportive things, too, but, like, 
um, a lot of the commentary was no longer talking about, hey, this is great that you have, get the chance to be able to sing on that platform and kind of maybe influence with a positive message. Um, it was more around um, people talking, either saying, no, you shouldn't do it, or people talking about how hypocritical the, the Christians who said you shouldn't do it are. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I guess my, 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 um, my, my question for us is, is that like, um, is there any merit at all to that type of consideration? No. Or is it like, light goes where light goes? Yeah. Yeah, like there's not much debate to be had on this. Like I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. That you, so, so is their their ground is that you, they sh- she should not have gone on the show because of the fact that it's Ellen. Yes. Don't, yeah. don't tell the good news to people we think are unworthy of it. Is yeah, that, that's kind of what's going on, right? Yeah. yeah. I see. I don't know how you get through even the first the the, the gospel. The fourth, first of four books at the beginning of the New Testament, and you don't see yourself in the Pharisee seat when you act this way. How do you not see that you're doing the exact same thing? Next thing you know, they'll be talking to tax collectors. <laughs> yeah. It, How dare they? Uh, okay, so let, let, me, let me stretch the example. Um, Dan, you're invited to speak at a, at a strip club. Uh-huh. You go? Are there, are there people stripping behind me? Uh, not during this time. And, and there are ways for you to get in and out with otherwise taking, not taking stuff in. I'm just worried about myself. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Dan's in. I mean, yeah. Can I wear sunglasses real dark so I can't see? Yeah. People yeah. will respect that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I wear plaid? This is a man of the, the, man of the Lord. Like, oh, Please plaid. wear plaid. <laughs> what was that? There's a, there's a lyric from a Rent Collective tune I've been listening to the last couple of days that said, what's true in the light is true in the dark. And what Lauren Daigle's singing about is true in the light and true in the dark. And I just can't imagine what, under what scenario you'd say, hide it under a bush. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been trying to indoctrinate people since they were four. <laughs> hide it yeah. under a bush. Oh, no, I'm going to let it shine. You know, and you say, no, there's a bush coming. Jump in. It makes me sad that with all the comments on, on this deal about, about Lauren the amount of people that are getting it right, which is the, if you're a Christ follower, this shouldn't be a problem. For this should be something that's an exciting opportunity for her to get to go and share uh, the gospel or the good news through her music to a huge audience. And the people that are getting it right saying that this is hypocritical are probably the people that wouldn't call themselves Christian. But the people that are getting it wrong and saying that this is awful and I'm going to burn all of your music and I'm going to boycott everything you do, and all of my friends are going to burn it and stuff like that, are the people that, that probably show up to church on Sunday or at least call themselves Christians. And it, it just it makes me sad that that's the way that that rolled out, is the people that are, that are calling upon his name for their identity are the ones that are being completely uh, uh, ridiculous on this. And the people that would, would say that, uh, that they don't believe in God or anything like that are the ones who are getting it right, saying, hey, you guys should be loving on this, and you guys should be understanding that she's... She's using this as, as an opportunity to shine and not as, as an opportunity to be, like, fraternizing with sinners. Well, what's that? what if it was? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, what if it was? Here's the thing. It's, like, it, it's, it's just a, a common misconception of what sin is, right? It's not yeah. a cold you're going to catch. It's an epidemic that we all have. Right. Right? And so we're just talking about the difference between us and them is we found a Savior that is willing to carry our weight if we're willing to give it to him. Right? And, and everybody else are just people that don't know that. And they don't know that yet because we haven't told them or they don't want it. But in either case, it doesn't stop us from doing anything. I don't see one negative thing going on with that visit at all. I think there are still some pretty good-sized pockets of Christians 
in America that have not been alerted to the fact that we're not a Christian nation. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, and it, it's shocking to them when, yeah. like, what? The, they're the letting thing, Ellen on the television network. Jesus <laughs> never acted this way ever. Well, I know. So I I'm know. not sure who you're following. But, but it this wasn't little bubble Christ. Of, of of they want the bubble to be pure and perfect, and 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 they're just really just the whole world upsets if 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 it's. Defiled, in right? Any right. Way. They they look at it as evidence that things are continuing to get worse, and this is a contribution to it, as opposed to a recognition that things were always this way. Like they were yeah. always worse. That's the nature of of a fallen world. Yeah. We are the worst. I'm I'm just saying is like I, I I it's it's a much deeper, sadder problem than that, right? It's mm-hmm. not just other. It's not just Christians who are misguided. It's Christians who don't understand the gospel at all. Right. You're yeah. not following Jesus with that attitude. We don't want Ellen or her audience to go to heaven. Yeah. Because we're going. So once again... You guys will ruin it. You're not following Christ. Now, this, this, yeah. this is a missionary group we need to send people to talk to, right? Not people that were like, yeah, there's some extremes part of our, of our culture, but... You know, the truth is, they're not in our culture. They're not following Jesus. That's not a heart for people. That's not God's heart for humanity. None of it. That's a that's a really big problem. I have names and pictures from the Facebook. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll go at them one by one. Them. Contact them. <laughs> yeah. Hello, friend. <laughs> I mean, all right. So she she responded um, because of the uh, because of the kerfuffle. Uh, this was from a an article on the Christian Post, and it says Grammy nominated singer Lauren Daigle addressed critics who slammed her for appearing on NBC's The Ellen DeGeneres Show because Ellen DeGeneres is a lesbian, arguing they completely missed the heart of God. The Christian artist appeared on the mainstream show October 24th and received criticism on social media over her involvement. Most of the critics argue Daigle was wrong to appear on the show because Ellen is a lesbian. She says, I think the second we start drawing lines around which people are able to be approached and which aren't, we've already completely missed the heart of God. I don't have all the answers in life, and I'm definitely not going to act like I do, but the one thing that I know for sure is I can't choose who I'm supposed to be kind to and who I'm supposed to show love to and who I'm not, because that's the mission, right? She continued, be who Christ was to everyone. Dago described her experience as easygoing, added there was joy on set, and Ellen does a good job of taking care of her crew. Hmm. Nice. Well done. All right, anyway. That's, uh, we can put, hopefully put that to bed for another uh, 30 years, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Generation. Well, it's, you know, it's, 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 there's the ripple effect. We, ha- we have a, a, a gay couple that are having conversations with someone from our church that, that wondering if it's okay to come here because they've been kicked out of their last church. Oh, right, yeah. They're like, we, we don't want to cause any problems. We just want to come to church. So someone asked me about it. I said, "Well, of course they can, um, you know, but that's not the case in many churches." Very right. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, well, I mean, who knows what'll happen? But um, I said I'll have a conversation with them and let them know, you know, at least so they know there's no shocks, no no false pretenses. Yeah, we're not, we're not surprising you with anything. But yeah, yeah. By the way, you know, here's what we'll say biblically. Uh, but you're certainly welcome to hang out and. I know who Jesus is, you know? I mean... <laughs> yeah. Love to have you. Yeah. Interesting. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, uh, Josh Harris... So, Dan, what do, you, what, do you, what do you remember, what do you know about uh, Josh Harris's original book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye? I never read it. I just remember people saying that you shouldn't date, you shouldn't kiss, there should be no physical contact until the wedding night. You just kind of court, or whatever that means, uh, kind of hang out a little bit, and then just kind of get married. That's, that's my understanding. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's that's what I know of it too. Yeah. Um, it was uh, the, the basically you're keeping you're keeping a significant amount of distance. Yeah, uh, right. there. Um, Probably everything is very public. Hey, I'll come and hang out in your living room. Right. Yeah. With lots of friends. Yep. And parents. And yeah. I'll say hey. And our pastor. Yes. I don't a know couple about of deacons. The Bible. 
I don't know about that. Uh, so, so, so here's the article. This is from Relevant Magazine. It says, Joshua Harris, the Christian pastor and author who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye as a teenager and launched a mini-revolution of young Christians forsaking dating relationships, has been on a lengthy journey ever since, very, very publicly wrestling with some of the unintended fallout of his more than 20-year-old advice. Now Harris has released a statement apologizing for I Kissed Dating Goodbye and announcing that he will be dis- discontinuing its publication, stating, I no longer agree with its central idea that dating should be avoided. I now think dating can be a healthy part of a person developing relationally and learning the qualities that matter most in a partner. Uh, his quote was, in an effort to set a high standard, the book emphasized practices, not dating, not kissing before marriage, and concepts, giving your heart away, that are not in the Bible. In trying to warn people of the potential pitfalls of dating, it instilled fear for some, fear of making mistakes or having their heart broken. The book also gave some of the impression that a certain methodology of relationship would deliver a happy ever after ending, a great marriage, a great sex life, even though this is not promised by Scripture. It's thoughtful and heartfelt apology with real substance behind it that clearly comes from a place of deep personal introspection. I know this apology, this is his quote again, I know this apology doesn't change anything for you and it's coming too late, but I want you to hear that I regret any in any way that my ideas restricted you, hurt you, or gave you a less than biblical view of yourself, your sexuality, your relationship, and God, he says. Harris also talks a little about an upcoming documentary called I Survived, I Kissed Dating Goodbye that will release next year, exploring both Harris's journey and some of the conversation he's had with people who have seen their romantic lives impacted by the book. He offers a free ebook about some of the things that changed his mind and recommends a few books on dating by authors like Dr. Henry Cloud and Deb Filita. And then he's got a link to the full statement uh, on the relevantmagazine.com. So I, um, so what I thought was super, was super good, there's a humility here, right, that says, look, I yeah. did something that people found a ton of value in. And, um, I mean, they, they made him popular. He, he wrote it as a young man. Um, there were a lot of people who, who talked about it as if this had done something very well for, for them, like it worked. Um, and then to see him over time, um, one, be humble enough to be wrong. Because that's tough, right? Especially if like you, you wrote the book. Like He was the guy that was talking about it, right? There wasn't like 10 other people who were talking about this. He was the guy. And so to be the guy that says, like, this is the thing, and, and you're the expert because it's your idea, um, and to be humble enough to, to, to hear what people are saying about where it's not working and I just kind of accuse them of not doing it right, um, and to have it to allow yourself to be changed over time and then come, kind of go to the place where not only is he, he publicly apologizing, but he's stopping publication and say, look, we're not even going to print this thing anymore. I don't agree with it. Um, I, I thought that was, like, regardless of whether, you know, um, some, someone had a, a, some people had positive reactions to it, some people it didn't, it didn't go very well for. Um, I think that, 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 is, that is the right reaction. That is the right reaction to us um, trying, failing, humbly submitting to the fact that we didn't get it right and continuing to move on and, and faithfully and saying and moving from there. I, just, I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Um, I've never even heard of this book, Ben. Oh, uh, what's it? What's it? What's it? What is he saying? Well, it was, it was really hitting the youth groups. No, I've never. And, uh, heard of it. Sorry. No, you're fine. No, I was just saying it was really, really a big trend twenty years ago, and in, in, in churches and youth groups, and, and teaching it and pushing it, and on the radio stations and the interviews, and and it was a lot of pressure uh, talking about how. Just the evils of dating, and I remember some some of the stuff they promised. Like what he mentioned in there, like, "Hey, if you don't date, you're gonna have better sex in marriage." I'm like, well, "Based, uh, how do you?" Because those are the kind of words, especially guys, kind of cling on to. You kind of, "Oh, oh, better sex, okay, I, I will not yeah. date then, because and, right. and, I'm gonna have a whole lifetime of like you know six times a day, and it'll be great." And and and, and th- I don't know. Christians have a way of saying weird things like that. 
Um, and then I think that's his point. He, they get into yeah. it. They're like, well, that's not really true. I mean, uh, we still have problems with this or that. Right. Or, you know, we, we, still, we still fight over what forks to use. Or, or, I mean, you know, it's yeah. like they still have to live life. And, and whether they dated or not doesn't affect it. And there's some things you probably don't learn about the other person because you didn't spend enough time with them to go, oh, yeah, we're really not compatible. And they find out later. Um, you know your boyfriend acting different sitting there watching the couch in your, in your grandmama's house. Yeah. yeah it yeah. is if you were sitting watching the couch at your apartment and watching the TV at your apartment. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're mm-hmm. right. You know, I mean, it's, it's such a tough, I mean, obviously, Dad, you know, you've got daughters. That, you know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a line that you want to draw and go, no, you know, don't put yourself in this position. And, and, right, and I think right. that's, those are solid lines to draw, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, but at some point, you've got to ride in a car with a man to know whether he's a crazy man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like. It, you, it, it somehow you got you got to do a little test. I mean, I, I can't count how many people got married. They're like, and and I, you know, even people that have known each other well, they're like, look, after after X number of years of marriage, people start settling into who they're going to be, and you go, whoa, whoa, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I care for this dude. <laughs> he, See, he's not really easy to get along with. <laughs> as an offshoot, that is that what absolutely terrifies me. Yeah, <laughs> like blatant honesty as, as a as a dude that's dating a gal, and I don't I don't have any. Thoughts of marriage just yet, but that is horrifying. I, I do a, a video a premarital thing where, where the guy goes into it. And he's just like, every seven years, you really change. Yeah. I mean, so both of you are really changing, and, and it's got to be bigger than I like them because. Right. You know, or they make me laugh. They're happy. They, they have a beard. You know, I mean, because we change. I people. like me because I have a beard. Well, so I, I like it, you but, because you have a beard. But Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is, that, man, I feel bad because I haven't read the book, so I don't even know what I'm arguing against. But, like, it's, it's uh, what, was, the what was, uh, what, when they were, um, you remember after the Israelites had gone through the golden calf deal, and he was like, I, we're just going to get rid of these people. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to start over. Moses, we'll just, we, you can headline this deal, but, like, these guys are not listening. And, and, and when God went to, to reveal his character of, of what he had done after he had pardoned them, and uh, he said, I will have steadfast love for thousands, right? And 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 the love that he used there was a was a said I never say it right it's the it's the H and the K at once do, do that again that's great <laughs> I can't say it right anyway it's beautiful but but like it was it was you know it was is where we we kind of go through and talk about the different types of love found in the Bible and 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 the Hesed is a it's a covenant love it's the one that doesn't move right like you change I you know I, I know you're gonna fail me on this thing um, but my love is not gonna move because it's a covenant love because I said so. Right, and that's the type of love that we're talking about when we're talking about, you know, when when people are getting married, they are going to change. It's flat out going to be different. That woman that you married, you know, even four or five years later, she's just not going to be the same gal. And you're going to go through crazy things. You're going to buy a house, and you're going to both take on jobs, and then maybe you'll quit a job and have a kid, and like you'll be broke, and you'll be really broke, and then you'll be like, oh man, I'm going to have to move back in with my parents, kind of broke, and you go, crap, this is terrible. But it's but those things change you. But those cha- yeah, yeah, they change you. You're they not affect the who you are, how you look at the world, and all yeah. this stuff. But like, but it's the covenant love that goes. It doesn't matter what any of this is. I'm going to go through it with you. And then and then by having that type of love surrounding your marriage, you're going to go well. At least I know there's there's two things I can depend on. One is the love of Jesus, and the other is this man right here who says, doesn't matter what goes down, he ain't going anywhere. And so like we. we we tend to we tend to to hook up on 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 love as a feeling, right? And love as a thing. And like, it, I mean, it is to a certain extent you can feel that way. But like, um, there's times when you flat out aren't going to feel that way, where you're not even going to like that person that you married. I mm-hmm. mean, you disdain. Like, you go in the other room. I wish there was had a bigger house so we could go on either sides of this house further away than we <laughs> are right now. And that's it's just going to happen. You put two people that love each other and feel 
passionate about each other. They're going to disagree, and they're going to disagree passionately, and that's just going to happen. And so, like, I, I don't know if you can get all that living done in the dating period. Right, right. You know, but you can get to know them well enough to go, look, are, are we looking at the same thing here? Are we shooting yeah. for the same goals here? Yeah. You know, do we feel the general way we understand how the world works and, and this is what we think kind of thing? Because I think if you can figure that out, then, I, you know, I don't know how you figure that out in a group of 10 people. Yeah, right, right. Can, can I commit to you that I will stay with you forever, even when I hate you? Yes. You, you know, and, and that's, that, there, there's a, a, a dance there trying to figure that out. Because that's what you're scared of is like, what if I don't like her anymore? You won't. Yeah. For a while. And then they'll come back. Good luck. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> fellas. What I do is I get a giant refrigerator box and I sit in it. Yeah. I was uh, <laughs> outside by where the dog is. <laughs> I walked into that thinking, man, I don't think I can ever get married. I walked out of that thinking, I'm never getting married. <laughs> this is a bad idea. I mean, here's the thing. People say, I wish they'd stop doing this, right? Because, I, I mean, I've been to a couple... Uh, like uh, marriage uh, deals or whatever, especially Christian-themed marriage yeah. stuff, and they get you all piped up, and they give you all this stuff, and they're like, it doesn't work this way. And what right. you end up doing is feeling bad about your marriage, yeah. like that you suck at it or your wife's terrible or whatever. Uh-huh. And the truth is, the same thing goes on at everybody's house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's times when you just cannot. I mean, you've never been so steamed, passionate, angry about she accidentally picked up skim milk. She knows you do not drink skim milk. That's and right. it is a personal <laughs> offense to you. That you don't, she don't know you well enough. How could you hate me so much that you would do that? I'm into skim milk. I've known you for 10 years. You buy skim milk? I'm a whole milk man. And you know this about me. You don't even love me. And this is the kind of thing that just sends into like a whole half a day where you're not talking to each other, right? And it's just that kind of weird crap that happens. And then you'll get a day away from it and go, I cannot believe I'm so upset about that milk. But it just happens. You put two people in close proximity. And it just happens. It just happens. And you just have to go, I made a promise to this lady, and we're going we're gonna to get this thing through. And, and that covenant love will equal a love that you just cannot find anywhere else. You know, what's interesting is that what, when we were initially started talking about this, what I was thinking was the argument for um, dating not that courtship is the same argument that people would make for the next step on, which is cohabitation and not dating. Uh-huh. But what you were just talking about is the distinction. Yeah. Because when you go into it and you do the cohabitation and not the marriage, you bail at the point um, when those types of things happen because you didn't make the covenant. And then, then you miss out on the, uh, the maturation of the relationship on going through those things because you got pressed to a point where like, you did not agree that we were in this thing forever. And so that's where the fallibility that comes in. Yes, you can look at it and say, oh, but we can get to know each other better and see whether we're actually going to work this out. There is just a nature of committing to someone forever um, that like, you're just going to have to take the plunge at some point and work through what that looks like. Cohabitation does not solve that particular problem. What it does is it gives you an out when other people have to mature and work their way through it. This gives you the ability to say, this is too much. I, want, I'm, I can leave. Um, and so like, that's actually, that answers, I think, the critique that says, look, why wouldn't I want to know more and more? Why wouldn't I know what are they like when they brush their teeth in the morning and they fart in the bathroom? Yeah. Right? Like, why wouldn't I want to know like, when they, you know, hey, I make them fancy Italian dinners when we date, but what if we're eating mac and cheese for the third night in a row? You know, what are they like then? Yeah, I, I hear you, because that's similar to what we're saying as to why you date people. But like, there's a point in which... Um, you don't. You have to recognize that some of that stuff just has to play out. That's the nature of the commitment. That's really what you, the one thing that you want to know about is the one thing you can't test without actually making the commitment. It's just not going to happen. And like that, that that cohabitation thing doesn't actually get you that. It's um, it's misleading. It implies that it's the same because your living situation may look the same. But like, if you do not have that long term commitment, you at, you're not testing it. And that that that's why because like 
thought during that during that like I said the initial part of the conversation I thought hey man we're making the argument for cohabitation that's why that what Mike was talking about that's that's why you do that yeah there's certain things that you shouldn't see, be able to see without a, without a promise right mm-hmm. without a covenant that we're going to be in this thing together because they could be really rough things you know what I'm saying and so like yeah he probably shouldn't be farting in the living room in front of everybody until he's pro- you've promised to be with him forever and that's when that comes out that's when I did it yeah yeah. I waited till the day that we were married, and then womp, right there. But then I, I did. Partial I went pretty early. Oh, <laughs> I thought hey, this is the real me. Yeah, let me or leave. We're gonna set the standard right now. This is Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you need to know. You get to get this odor down because it's how it works. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I think it'll be uh, flannel sand. Early on, did you say flannel Sanders? Because that's funny. <laughs> how are you gonna be in flannel saying that? Oh, okay. <laughs> but flannel Sanders is now his nickname. <laughs> Some, some, sometimes the Christian uh, books are, I mean, I don't want to be critical, but, but sometimes they just make promises that aren't there. You know, that as, a, as an early on in our marriage, uh, I remember thinking, gosh, I would like to be intimate more than my wife would like to be intimate. And so I, I read a book, you know, Sex Begins in the Kitchen, and it promised great, great results if you wash the dishes and mop the floor, your oh, wife's yeah, going right, to go, yeah. man, this, you're the greatest guy ever, and yeah. you're going to run <laughs> off to the bedroom. And it's like... I, you know, I don't know, six months, a year later, I'm going, ah, man, I've really upped my game and, and nothing. Yeah. It's the same, not nothing, but it's, it's the same. But boy, know? howdy, this kitchen looks great. <laughs> I the, I should Maybe I should have slipped that book under her bed, so, or under her uh, pillow so she could read it too. This, no, this is why I'm doing this. It's not because I'm manning up and being a good husband. It's because I want something. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, it gave me expectations I shouldn't have had. Yeah, right, right. You know, like, oh, things are really going to go now, you yeah. know. And, and so, to, that, that, yeah, you got to work through that stuff as, as a couple. Uh, in in your marriage, so it's, yeah, it, it it really. I mean, there are good reasons. This is this is why we have you surround yourself with a community of people who've been married and people you can talk to, right? People that that won't won't shine it on for you. They don't have a twenty four ninety nine involved in giving you advice, right? So like, if you don't like, they can say harsh things to you, and if you if you don't want to listen to it, you have to walk away. But they don't have to say nice things to get you to spend the 25 bucks, right? And so they can tell you harsh, honest things. Like if you're being a, a toad, then they'll tell you. you know. And if, if there's some things you need to do to improve on, they'll tell you. And so like, there really is. God set up a, a fantastic plan to surround you with a community of people that love you and will be honest with you. And marriage is, you, there's just, you got to find somebody to talk to and someone that's going to reason through you and, and, and be able to take your wife's side in most arguments. I don't know one dude that I know that comes up to me and tries to complain about their wife where I don't blame the fella. It's just, I, I just I just it's so much easier. Yeah, I, I remember I was I was in a, a county group accountability group with full, with uh, three other dudes, and like I was I was mourning something like I had been mistreated, and I showed up who's like breakfast at six in the morning or something, and I said, "Boys, here's what's going on," and every single one of those guys go, "You handling this wrong, <laughs> <laughs> jerks. You were in the wrong. You need to repent of your ways and go apologize to your wife." I'm like, "Dang, yeah." <laughs> Don't people go out with the guys for like support? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me tell you the story again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear it correctly. I mean, I had I did not have a sympathetic eye in the crowd. <laughs> I, I mean, and uh, to wit, they were correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a new survey on vocation, which is a fancy word for work, suggests that in the workplace, Christians hold to high standards of professional integrity. Wait, That's by good. their own self-admission? <laughs> oh. Yes. Uh, okay. From the website, humility.com. <laughs> in the survey, Christians at Work, which was done in partnership, I don't care, Barna found positive indicators that people who profess faith in Christ are living their convictions while at work. Early this year, researchers conducted qualitative online surveys of 1,459 self-identified American Christians who are both employed and said their faith is important to their life. 
Such Christians are rooted in a conviction that Christians should act ethically. 82%. Who's the other 18? <laughs> this, this is the That's problem. A very valid point. This yeah. is the problem with these the surveys. The other 18% either didn't understand the question or went, nah. There's nothing ethical about living with Christ. These are the people boycotting the Ellen Show. Um, let's see. Uh, such Christians speak the truth. 74%. Again, I feel like we fall short of the mark. Um, withstand temptation. 59%. We're getting worse. What? And do excellent work in an effort to bring glory to God, 58%. So that, I, the question is, I wonder what the, uh, the, the balance of that is. What are the other 42? They're like, no, I should do ex- excellent work to bring glory to Ted. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, I don't think I should do excellent work. <laughs> was the question posed as what you should do or what do they feel they do do? Why did you just say do-do? Well, there you People go. said do-do. I, I, well, what I'm asking <laughs> is, uh, the, the, this seems odd. Uh, from the percentages, I can't imagine as self-identified Christians are actually believing that I shouldn't. Vote. I think it's. I think it's. Do you agree with this statement? Christ- oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Or well, either yes, do you no. agree with it about? And it could be, I guess, about yourself. That's what. I, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was. It was not that they're identifying whether or not it's right or not, but whether they actually do it. Uh, mm. I, actually, it looks like they're saying whether it's right or not because, it, like, oh, okay. Additionally, it says the respondents indicated that, and this is in quotes, working Christians should make friends with non-Christians. Sixty-six percent. So that that seems like uh, do you agree with it? Yeah, yes no, absolutely, no? you're right. Wait, that's I'm, a that's a tenet of of what now? Of following Jesus, making friends with non Christians? Uh, yeah. So so I think expressing your faith in your workplace. Uh, if you, yeah, yeah, you, faith is important to you, and you are a working person. Do you agree with this? Like, do you agree that working Christians should make friends with non Christians? And what was the percentage? Sixty six. Sixty. Well, that's where that thirty-four uh, percent is. Then uh, who don't like the Ellen Show? Yeah, yikes, man! Either that or Mike makes up that entire thirty-four percent. I mean, if they're cool people, I guess I get all. <laughs> what do I care? I mean, uh, here's the thing: I want everyone to know Jesus. I don't want everyone to know Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> some, some people, we just we're not friends. You I'm just imagining <laughs> you curmudgeoningly walking up to people, and be like, "Do you know Jesus?" <laughs> no. Ah. All right. Let's talk. <laughs> You got to you got to know the guy. What's your name? That's ah, not important. Let's talk about Jesus. What, what do you do here? Work. Again, not hey, important. Here's the thing. It's, these are the things we just got done talking about this where Christians oversell it. Here's the thing. You ain't not going to be friends with everybody. You can be kind to people and you can love everybody, but if you think that you're going to be friends with every single person out there, you're fooling yourself. First of all, it's, you just can't handle that much weight. Because to be actual friends with people, you got to take on their burdens and hear what's going on at their place and love them well. And I don't, I can't imagine you're doing that for more than say fifteen people maximum. I mean, people are hard to love. The fifteen you got are hard to love. But you just put them in your head right now. Your fifteen best friends, and tell me right now, you're not overwhelmed with the weight of their stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on with them people, and you're gonna act like you're gonna invest in what a three hundred people that work at your place? Come on, that's not that can't happen. Mike's a real quality over quantity guy. Ben. <laughs> Yeah, agree. No, agree. No, yeah, I agree with this. Yeah, take that, Booba. You and your phony hi, how you doing? <laughs> Friend of the world. This is, here's the deal. Can I be honest and say that I have certainly thought that way before? As I grow up, no, it is not possible. I used to think I could be friends with everybody. Mike, who's this? Who's this? Hey, uh, uh, how's it going? Yeah. Hey, hey, boss. How's your day? Hey, bo- yeah. <laughs> boss, partner, I buddy. do say that a lot. Okay. Hey, man. Hey, real, real quick self-identifier. <laughs> My girlfriend called me out recently that I call everybody boss. Yep. And so you're absolutely right. I do do that, and I apologize. Hey, faceless person who I don't want to use their name. Hey, hey boss, boss, buddy, partner. <laughs> I, met a, I met a guy in the last week that calls everybody hero. <laughs> hero? What? Yeah. He goes, what up, hero? <laughs> 
that's a, it, that's yeah, it's super uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, that, that makes uh, me feel great. Uh, please introduce up. me. Yeah, what's <laughs> up, hero? People uh, are like, hey, well, buddy, and you're like, I'm you. a faceless crowd. He's like, hey, hero. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. That's me. This guy knows me. <laughs> I do save the day. Carry on. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. it's super cool. I thought it was lame the first <laughs> it's my time. Cape show, and then I, sur- I, I love it. <laughs> I gotta hang out with him more often. He's my new friend. Hero. I took one of the guys off the list, put him on. Uh, so it was, was I the guy who got taken off the list? <laughs> don't worry, boss. You're still on the list. <laughs> well played. Well played. All right. I don't. I just don't understand the premise of the survey anymore. I guess it's a. Uh, we, we were on. Additionally, the respondents indicated that working Christians should make friends with non-Christians. Mike says not necessary. <laughs> Withstand temptation. Fifty-nine percent. I mean, what are the other options? Typically, you're going to fail. I that. wonder if I can look at this summary. Maybe they're like, well, I can't. Hey, should I fight them all? I don't do you know strongly agree that we should withstand temptation? No. <laughs> no I'm neutral. I'm really I'm undecided. To say yes, but I can't. <laughs> Wait, what? Strongly disagree. Does not apply to me. <laughs> like, whatever. I don't understand the question. I mean, are they trying to say that, like, in a work context, it's okay to, what, go out and, and drink too much with the fellas or steal the pins or. Double double book your time card. I don't know what I'm saying. Like the, oh. the temptation, temptation. Okay, no, those are the top three in the list of office sins in the life of Mike. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't you know. Drink, <laughs> drink with everybody, get too drunk. You steal the pens, <laughs> or you double book your. He's got a truck full of wrenches. I take the I take the mechanical pencils. Too many. <laughs> okay, so here's how it was set up. Um, the like the question one was: What are Christian responsibilities in the workplace? And 82% said to act ethically. 74% said always speak the truth. Now, the difference between people who act ethically and the lower portion who says it's okay to lie is an interesting gap. (laughs) If it's an ethical lie. What in the heck? Ben, this is where you get caught in the web of these surveys right here. Demonstrate morality. (laughs) Welcome to the community college intro to ethics class. Uh, I'm lying to protect someone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Philosophically... Now, hold on. So, okay, I, just a small caveat here, because I get into trouble for this a lot. When you say, tell the truth all the time, like when people say, hey, we're going to do this, blah, 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 and the truth is, that's stupid. Can you say, yeah, that's stupid? Is that, is that a bad form of telling the truth? Right? Like, like, biblically, you were crass with it. You said something that could have been delivered softer, but the truth was... It was dumb what they're saying. They're, they have a plan. It's not going to work. No, that that's a matter of using a thesaurus. Like just because you can't, like <laughs> you don't have to. That's be like, ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, ill-informed. Hey, I don't. I don't think that's going to work. And they say, did why? I not just say the same thing that you said? Except you were a jerk about it, and I was not. <laughs> I, I say, why or you is just go straight work? into? Well, here's another th- thought, or here's another suggestion. I also think that's not going to work. Yeah. The combination of things you're saying are probably not going to work. Because it, it's stupid. <laughs> I Come love on. where you're going with this, yeah. but... Yeah. Do you need a bigger bag to carry your mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, you're an idiot. Now let's move on. Okay, so here's, so here's the question. Uh, it, uh, based upon that, what are Christian responsibilities in the work, workplace? What percentage do you think said share the gospel? 31. Then says less than a third. 85. Mike says 85. 47%. 47. Boo was a uh, middle grounder, neutral area. Uh, Dan is more optimistic than the actual answer. Uh, it is the lowest possible option on the list at 26%. What? Share, share the gospel. Now listen. And only a portion of them do it. Yes, that's right. These are only people who think it's, it's a good idea. Yeah. I'm telling you, we're in a worse space. After this Ellen debacle and after this survey, here's what I'm saying. 
you're, it, it's not your responsibility to share the gospel, right? You have good news, and you think that it's a burden for you to share it to other people. You don't believe the news is that good. Tell me when they have leftover pizza upstairs. That you don't have some dude coming in and go, leftover pizza upstairs. Yeah. Good news. Better hit it up. Pizza. Then he runs to the next room. Hey, man, I got some leftover pizza upstairs. (laughs) And here he is. He's spreading like a virus through the whole company. There's extra pizza up in the break room. You should go have some. But then you find a God that's willing to die for your sins (laughs) and give you eternal life. Eh, I can't be bothered. (laughs) I just can't feel like I can't tell people about this. That's a total misconstruction of what the gospel is. Things that beat it out, things that beat out uh, share the gospel are help mold the culture of my workplace, help bring grace and peace to others, assumedly absent of the gospel. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah, how exactly, how exactly do you plan on doing that without the gospel? There's people who don't quite understand the gospel. Uh, speak out against unfairness or injustice, serve others, do excellent work to glorify God, withstand temptation, practice humility, make friends with non-Christians, demonstrate morality. Act uh, always speak the truth and act ethically. Hmm. Well, that's rough. So a lot more people are, are are thinking that it's a good thing to make friends of people at work than it is to share the gospel. Okay, so so let yeah. me so here's the here's the synopsis. Then it says the trend is clear. Most employed Christians want to do good in their places of work, but not always in a way that stands out. I want to do good. I just don't want people to notice. Here's the, here's the thing. When when. When Paul wrote out the fruits of the Spirit, he didn't do it by percentages and say, peace, 85% of the time, <laughs> patience, 72 <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just shooting for such a low bar here, Ben. <laughs> Cowboy says, less than a fourth of respondents said sharing the gospel is a responsibility while on the job, highlighting general wariness of speaking explicitly about faith, a typical attitude given the current climate. What's the current climate? A fallen world? Yeah. yeah, we've been in it for a while, friends. <laughs> you, you best get used to that. This is the one area not susceptible to climate change. <laughs> Same problem. But those in the survey exhibit a higher willingness to share than others. Ooh. Generally speaking, millennial Christians are the most likely group to say it is completely important for Christians to mold their workplace culture and serve others. Yet when asked to give values they should exhibit on the job, such as speaking the truth, demonstrating morality, acting in an ethical manner, or withstanding temptation, millennial respondents consistently rank lower than baby boomers and Generation X. Roughly half of all respondents said their church provides them with a vision for living out their faith at work. Uh, this could be a wake-up call for church leaders to equip the, la- the largest generation in the workforce with a deep vocational understanding. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus said before he took off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that making disciples not as important. Conduct yourselves well at your workplace. <laughs> Especially these moral tick marks that I've, <laughs> that I've laid out. <laughs> Holy cats were so blind to things, Ben. Yeah, yeah that was, uh, that's rough. That's a rough survey. Okay. I was trying to think of uh, how those apply to me and my job. Uh, I feel like it's all bundled. I, I don't have any distinction where I'm like, hey, speak the truth, but act morally in different percentages. Who was it? Was it Luther or who's the guy that said to follow Jesus and make good shoes or something? Who said that? The story was like a shoemaker says something or other about, like you know, Lawrence. how can I, how can I follow Christ at work? And he says, love Jesus and make good shoes. <laughs> And that was it. And I was like, that's a great example. Hey, I just typed up, follow Jesus and make good. And the uh, first suggested response was money. Oh, <laughs> I want to do both. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not finding uh, 20, 35 Bible verses about shoes. Hold on. Yeah, what's the <laughs> first one? Someone went through and made a list of that? Okay, all right, hold on. Mike. We should take a quiz, Ben. 
Hey, we should do a quiz. Okay. Is there one on shoes? Uh, I, I'll take a look and see if I can find one. Um, I don't. I don't know if I still have the location of the Bible quizzes. So, uh, wait. Guess what? Um, Bible verses about shoes. What comes to mind? Taking off your shoes. It's holy ground. I say Moses. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be problems. The shoes didn't wear out in the desert. Wandering years. When Jesus washes feet, does it say anything about taking off their shoes? Uh, the, uh, sandals. I wonder if that counts as he's looking on the shoes. I assume. I mean, it's a, yeah. you, you buy them at a shoe store. Hey, man. Psalm 108. Moab is my wash bowl. Over Edom, I shall throw my shoe. <laughs> I got to read the Psalms more of it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh. So I think they included sandals because you have how beautiful are your feet and sandals, oh. O Prince's daughter. The curves of your hips are like jewels. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Yep, 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 yep. For every boot of the booted warrior on the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. Isaiah 9, 5. Like the sandals of... uh, Ready with the... Ready with the the readiness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get it. Okay. Mm. Anyway, I don't see the quote, Mike. Anyways, it sounds like Father Lawrence. Brother Lawrence. What did I actually, so, uh, so me and the ladies were watching that, uh, you'd seen that movie, The Fantastic Beasts? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like a, I don't know, after or before, prior to Harry Potter or whatever movie. Yeah. Anyway, this, this wizard doofus says, says, uh, hey, are, are you, aren't, aren't you anxious or whatever? And the guy goes, yeah, the only way, what did he say? I try not to do that because then you get, uh, then you get burned twice. Right, because you were anxious about the thing, and then you know, then it actually got you <laughs> afterwards, right? And I thought, holy cow, this dude totally. Because I, I told the ladies, I'm like, look, this dude and uh, Jesus agree on how to hang, handle anxiety, yeah. right? That's right on. God says the exact same thing. He goes, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. There's nothing that's going to add to you. You just got to leave it alone. Right. So it was a quick sidebar. Okay, we can do a quiz. Okay, what do we want to do a quiz on? Shoes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a quiz on shoes. Well, there's a quiz on clouds. That'd be a quiz on shoes. Uh, Do one that we're going to rock star at, Ben. Yeah, uh, we need to look good. Okay, uh, here we go. We're going to do a quiz on, ooh, this is, this is apropos, occupations. Okay. Ooh. Occupations. Here we go. All right. Okay. Uh, ready, if you're playing at the home game, let's see if you can beat life from the path. Uh, question number one, who was a mighty hunter before the Lord? Nimrod, Gideon, Goliath, or David? A mighty hunter before the Lord. Nimrod. I say Nimrod. I said I was thinking Nimrod. All right, we're in for Nimrod. Okay. Number two, who was an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron? Oh, Jesus, Tubal Cain, Abraham, Jacob. It's Tubal Cain. Tubal Cain. Yeah. I think that's Tubal Cain. You guys. Pal, Tubal Cain. Yeah, yeah, everybody's in. That's a little team. What was Luke's profession? <laughs> Doctor. Physician, lawyer, tax collector, tent maker. Physician, we're in. What was Paul's profession? Tent maker. Blacksmith, tent maker, physician, lawyer. Maker. What was the occupation of Joseph, the earthly father who adopted Jesus? Carpenter. Farmer, blacksmith, carpenter, fisherman. Six. What was Nehemiah's occupation? Oh. Cup bearer, priest, cup bearer. soldier, smith. Cup bearer? Wait a minute. There's an occupation called the smith? The smithy. The blacksmith. Oh, is that shorthand for blacksmith? Yeah, I don't yeah. know why they didn't use the full term, though. Smithy. Huh. They just called him the smith. Okay. What was the occupation of Alexander who did much evil to Paul? <laughs> Tent maker, coppersmith, lawyer, mason. I think it's coppersmith. Why? They were coppersmiths that got ticked off of them because they were cutting down on the idols, but is that context? Uh, no, I, th- I think he's either the coppersmith or a tent maker. 
No, a fellow tent maker, a feud. Yeah, no, Coppersmith. Yeah, we'll go Coppersmith. Okay, or lawyer or Mason. No, lawyer was just. Right, we'll see what happens. Wait a minute, was Alexandria the 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 anti in the in the Coliseum or whatever the guy that uh, uh, that was doing the counter argument? No. Okay. No. Never mind then. Uh, what was the occupation of David under Saul? Cupbearer, armor bearer, musician, carpenter. He was the armor bearer, was it? Yeah, he played the he played the thing oh, in there. Yeah. yeah, that's why the Saul chucked it the thing at him. The liar was driving him nuts. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Philip was sent to speak to an Ethiopian eunuch who held what position in the court of Kandake, queen of Ethiopia? Cupbearer, scribe, astrologer, treasurer. 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 Yeah, treasurer. he had the big he had the big money. All right, we feeling all right, boys? Man, yeah. I feel like we nailed that one, Ben. Okay, here we go. Uh, like a wizard. Question one. Who was a mighty hunter before the Lord? We said Nimrod. That is correct. Yes. Yes. Number two. Who was an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron? We said Tubal Dash Kane. And that was correct. Yeah. Number three. What was Luke's profession? We said physician. That is correct. Question four. What is Paul's profession? We said tent maker. That is correct. Question five. What was the occupation of Joseph, the earthly father who adopted Jesus? We said carpenter. That was correct. Number six, what was Nehemiah's occupation? We said cupbearer. That was correct. Uh, question seven, what was the occupation of Alexander who did much evil to Paul? We said coppersmith. That is correct. Yeah. Question eight, what was the occupation of David under Saul? We said musician. That is incorrect. What? The correct answer is armor job. bearer. Yeah, Booba called that one. Hold on. First uh, Samuel sixteen twenty one says, and David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and be, he became his armor bearer. I mean, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like musicians should be an acceptable answer. There's a lot more about him doing music, uh, yeah, <laughs> than uh, yeah. Now, question nine: Philip was sent to speak to an Ethiopian eunuch who held what position in the court of Kandake, queen of Ethiopia? We said treasurer, and that was correct. We answered eight out of nine. Questions correctly for a score of 89%. That quiz has been taken 58,000 times since April 2003, and the average score for the quiz is 69%. That's right. We've done better than average, which is not our average. We generally yeah. do hair oh, we, we usually don't. What, did we get like 28% on the clouds one? Yeah, boy, that clouds one was oh, a rough. That, that was a rough guard. That was terrible. Man, so I forgot about these. What demons believe? Who asked God what? The hand of God. These are awesome. Builders. Who was known as? Yeah, put that back on the docket. We'll have to come back around. Okay. Come. All right. Uh, now that we've we've answered the Bible questions correctly, we got some advice, Mike. Yep. Dare lie from the path. I am a 34 year old man who lives with my father, who is 76 years old. I am currently without a job, but when I have one, I buy food and whatever else is needed for the house. I believe I'm doing my fair share. I love my father dearly, but I can't stand him as a person. He can be very rude and verbally abusive. He has told people we know very personal things about me. When we're visiting family, if I ask for something to eat or drink, he'll answer, No, you don't need anything. I can tell that the relatives are annoyed by him too. Dad played a major role in ruining a relationship with a woman I was dating. I don't invite any of my new friends over because I know he'll have something sarcastic to say. He also accuses me of not doing any cleaning around the house, but he fails to notice that I have done it at night while he was asleep. I rarely converse with him because we have nothing in common. He takes almost no interest in what I have to say, even when I tell him about something I saw on TV. He says, well, you shouldn't be watching that. <laughs> I keep my mouth shut because I need a place to live, but day by day, more and more, my rage is building, and I want to tell him off. Help, please. Uh, Wait, go ahead, Booba. Hit this man with some Booba reality. 
get a job, move out, live on your own. There, man up. 36 years old, friend. Yeah. There, there's no comment about kids. There's no, there's no reason that you don't have a crappy apartment that you live in by yourself, but not with your father, and you work hard, maybe two friggin' jobs, maybe three jobs, just to make sure you got food on your table, clothes on your back, and a roof over your head. You just want to be lazy and spend a bunch of money on, your, on yourself and not on stuff. You get a job, work it, do well. I mean, there's not a sense that he's, like, helping his dad. What? No, he just said he doesn't have a job. Once in a while, just a little chore. he's not paying for anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in, in his opening gambit, he says, when I have a job, I help pay for the food. And what he should say is, when I don't have a job, I don't eat at all. Because my dad is not taking care of me because <laughs> I'm 36 years old. He has sucked the life out of his father. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Move Your out. dad don't want to hear what you watch on <laughs> TV. Right. Get you out of my life. He doesn't want to spend time with you because he thought he was in an 18-year deal yeah. where you live with him and somehow you have doubled the contract <sighs> and now you still live with him. Yeah. He's you trying to retire wants happily. To hear? He wants to hear how the forklift broke down at your job exactly. today and you had to come up with something. Or the delivery truck was late, and so you had to stay late to fix it. I bet your dad would love the story of, hey, dad, I burnt myself on some fries that I cooked today. Yeah. Because I <laughs> had a job, anything. and I did it. He played a large role in ruining a relationship you had with a woman because she had to come over to his house right, exactly. to date you. <laughs> you had to say, hey, do you want to come over to my dad's place? Yeah. He <laughs> says, uh, he said, hey, can I have something to eat? No, you don't need that. <laughs> Hey, I'm proud of your dad. Your yeah. dad sounds like a schmuck. He's trying to tell you something. Your dad sounds like the kind of guy that's trying <laughs> yeah. to sell his 36-year-old son. Move out. Yes. I mean, here's the thing. Prove him wrong. Show that you can handle <laughs> your own food. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You're going to feel like you're on a moral high horse when you're living on your own. And you get to go, hey, dad, guess what I did this week? Worked, went out with a lady, and then came back to my own place. Yeah. And had my own food. And I and had guess cereal. who could tell me whether or not I could or could not eat or drink? Nobody. Because I'm a grown man, <laughs> and I made the money to make that. Yeah. Oh. You're 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 vinegar to the teeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Straight up vinegar uh, to the teeth and smoke it to the eyes. Yeah. So is the slugger to the one who sends him. Anyone want to encourage this man for the situation he's in? Nope. 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 <laughs> Here we go. Secular says. Uh so his question was, I really want to tell him off. Help please. <laughs> we did not answer that question. Yeah. You should you should hold off on that. You should tell yourself off in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> when you wake up and go, Hey, you lazy boob. <laughs> go get a job. Oh. Uh, Secular says, do not tell him off. Although you may be living, quotes, rent-free, you are paying plenty for the, quote, privilege of staying under his roof. It appears your father resents having you there as much as you dislike being there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're catching up on it. How how do we fix this situation? Do whatever you can do to find a job. When you do, save every penny. And for the sake of your self-respect, move out as quickly as possible so you can start living a normal life. You You may need to find a roommate, but anything would be better than this. Yeah, I agree. You're a bum. <laughs> oh, man. There, life from the path. My husband and I took our granddaughters, 16 and 13, on a two-week cruise to Europe this past summer. Holy cats, where are my grandparents? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I go to no two-week cruise to Europe. Yeah, we went man. to Branson. <laughs> anyway, my I got a lifesaver. I, yeah. I, I got, I found out this week that, like, uh, my wife's, my father-in-law had made fried chicken. And he had set some aside that we could come pick up and take to our house. And somebody took the fried chicken from our plate and ate out of it, even though there was other fried chicken available. And they ate out of that so that we would have less fried chicken when we came to pick it up. And I thought, 
This is what we signed up for. This is grandparenting. This is oh. for my children, this fried chicken. <laughs> That's pretty low rent. We were, we were, what? We were spited. Furious. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, I'm not week- bitter about it. I just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, that makes sense. Two-week <laughs> trip to Europe uh, with uh, granddaughters, 16 and 13. To make a long story short, 16-year-old quotes Megan confided to us that she's afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. She's a straight-A student and a perfectionist when it comes to her classes. We want to make sure we use the correct words with her. These girls are precious to us, and we're very close. Megan sent us an emotional thank you note for the trip, as did her sister. She seems to do all the right things. We just don't want her to put excessive pressure on herself. We're almost 80, and they keep us young. These girls rock our world. Could you tell us how to handle this? What? What? Well, you wanna, she you wants to know how to They're looking at the wrong bar. The bar is not perfection. The bar is doing their best. Do your best and be satisfied with that. Yeah, but that's what that guy that lives with his dad said. He did not, he say, still that. Lives he did not say that. He did not say that. Nor is he bar. doing his best. That is probably he's the best doing what he is can comfortable. do. No, 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 no. I, he's not challenging himself. He's just being comfy. I don't know. He's being a boob. I mean, with all, I mean, a man that comes up with it. I don't. I don't mean to come back to this fella, but a man that comes up with these arguments that he's come up with. This might be his full capacity. <laughs> <laughs> well, then fine. Then he needs to be challenged to be better than his best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he needs. You know what? Here's the deal. We're the life go, coach. Uh, you know, uh, fine. I'm willing to rehash back into this. We need to go back to to a comment you said earlier, and it's about community. Here's the deal. That 36 year old man needs to find people. Possibly, I would usually say older, but I think it might drive him more if he finds a 25 year old man that's doing better than him. But I think that man needs to find a group of fellas that could kick him in the butt and go. Here's the deal. You are not living to your fullest potential. You are not living yourself in a way that you're actually doing yourself any justice, your laziness and your inability to get up and do anything is actually holding yourself back rather than making yourself more comfortable. That dude needs to find a group of dudes, and that will help him immensely. We should just put a mannequin by his house and go... Mannequin's doing a better job at life. Than That's the truth, man. Look, like, he dressed. I, I, he's, he's at Old Navy <laughs> every day. <laughs> he, 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 could, he could hire a woman to date his son... And pretend to fall in love with him. Wait, that's, that's a, a movie. That's a prostitute, Dan. Oh. You can't buy well, women failure to, date to launch. People. Failure to launch. I was going to say, that's failure to launch, isn't it? <laughs> that's a it movie. was a great idea. <laughs> I've not seen that movie. Oh. Have I seen that movie, man? I mean, I don't know. I don't keep track of what you watch. <laughs> I don't watch no prostitute movies. <laughs> not a prostitute. <laughs> a prostitute bro. Yeah, that's why, what I'd say why? if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> why you got to jump so negative? <laughs> You're uh, buying women to date dudes. That's, isn't that what, exactly what it is? Well, you're assuming that the date I mean, goes a lot further. Oh, <laughs> hey, Again, this is a dictionary problem. Dating. Technically, it's an escort. Yeah. Okay, it's an escort. Okay, anyway, back to this. Uh, the, uh, we're worried the 16-year-old gal is uh, too hard on herself. Yeah, I, you don't need the right. Um, so it's, it's, the right, it's the right issue. It's the wrong concern. Um, you're looking for the right words. It, the words are not so much relevant as they are that you care, that you're encouraging to them. Um, and you're reminding them that, that uh, like Dan said, that to, to do your best. And then however yeah. you word that with your, with your lovable, soft 80-year-old heart, I think will be just fine. Mm. Yeah. yeah, be loving grandparents. Uh, yeah, and uh, assure them that you love them whatever grades they get. That's, that, that's not a earned but, relationship. But so. not too much, Dan, because then you have 36-year-old dude. Yeah. Yeah, at some point, kick him out. But uh, you've, got, you've got a long time to go before you hit that. So. I was going to say 13 and 16. I think it's 20. all right to go, hey, baby, it's okay. You're doing great. We love you. you got 22 years. Uh, and if you're looking for a, a grandson, um, I would like to put my application in uh, because I would love your kind encouragement and trips to Europe. And Europe. Uh, they, they, they spent everything they had, Booba. You're yeah. just in for the... the, the I'm t- still cool with the encouragement. You're in for toilet duty. I'm all right with that. Okay. If I get if I get kind encouragement from these loving grandparents, I'm down. 
I think that's fair, Bova. I'll support your bid for uh, grand grandson. I appreciate that. <laughs> Secular says, tell Megan that you love her and she rocks your world. Then assure her your feelings about her will never change, regardless of whether she succeeds or fails at whatever she does. Nobody wants to fail, but most successful people will tell you they learned more from their failures than they did from their successes. Tell her that the worst than failure is being so afraid that she isn't willing to try. Then advise her to talk to her parents about her fears or a counselor at school if she needs more help. Yeah, you've reached my capacity to encourage you. We'll find a professional. Right. Yeah. You know, Let me hand you give off it, to a give stranger. It to the high, give it to the guidance counselor that's going to give you a picture of Wayne Gretzky that says you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Do they get those for free? I'm sure they do. <laughs> I, 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 I work HR at my current job, and I've thought about just plastering my office in those crappy, crappy frame pictures that have like, somebody pole vaulting. And yes. hey, they're, they're, there's a lot of them at the Goodwill if you want it for cheap. I'm going to yeah. go. Decorate my office. Can you imagine how upset you have to be to throw away your motivational poster? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. I yeah. tried to open up my own successful building yeah. or business, and I kept looking at that pole vaulter. <laughs> oh man, I screwed up hard time. I can't keep looking at that pole vaulter. Oh, you know what? You got like the cat says, "Hang in there, kitty." You know what? You never find at the Goodwill is that picture of the unlimited stairs or whatever. Where the Urschmeyer? What's it called? Escher, yeah. MC Escher. Yeah, where you go, where it doesn't matter which way you go up the stairs, you end up back at the bottom of the yeah. stairs, at the top of the stairs. No one ever throws those away. <laughs> Because people, they don't know what to think about them. But I think they put it on the wall, and they think other people will think that I'm a certain caliber of individual for having this stair painting. Hey, man, that's actually a valid point. My brother went to the Goodwill one point in time, and he got a, a framed picture of, like, a wine bottle. Yeah. And he put it up in our house. It was him and I that lived there as, as both young men that did not belong in a place that had a wine bottle up on the wall. And I asked him what he was doing with it. He goes, hey, man, it, see, it makes us feel more cultured, doesn't it? I'm like, no. Makes me feel like an idiot. Yeah. Like, I don't understand wine, nor do I understand why that's on our wall. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you a fraud. Yeah. Don't fake culture. <laughs> don't, go, don't go get your artwork from the Goodwill and say, oh, man, this really speaks into my life. Or people that buy, like, the variety pack of olive oils and then put them on the... Put them in like a nook somewhere. You ain't using them olive oils. And why are they three different colors? Olives are one color. <laughs> it's super what? misleading. Wait a minute. Green and black olives. I was going to say, that's not true, Mike. Well, it's, it's not, not three how that works colors. at all. I mean, what are they, how do they change it to the yellow? Don't you just have to wait? Huh? I have no idea. I think you wait. Process. It's like grapes to raisins. Hey, That's you know, the variation with all the, in the olive thing. With, with all the progress in GMO, can we can't get an olive tree I can grow here in the States? I want to grow one in, in the Iowa climate. Are you being a proponent for genetically modified organisms? Well, right here's now? the thing. They're making a bunch of stupid crap. Like, you see that tree they had at the store this year <laughs> where it grew like three different ty- types of fruit? It's like one tree, and it puts out a tangerine, a pineapple, and like a banana or that something. That sounds like an awful An decision. apricot. And I'm like, what kind of wizard decision. tree is this thing? And some mad scientist is making it his house. Like the like the Chicano lady blew up with her fruit head basket, and then it put out this magic tree that now puts out three different things of fruit at once. If the Lord had intended three fruits <laughs> to come out of that tree, he'd have done so. But so now we spend all our time making this amalgamate tree, and no one can make an olive tree that I can grow in my backyard. It must be like an engrafted branch thing, not not like a... Totally engineered thing. No, it's got to be a totally engineered thing. <laughs> I mean, with bubbles and mucus and Ninja Turtles, Dan. There's no reason for this bubbles tree. and mucus and Ninja Turtles. I've never seen such a thing in my it's whole the life. Ooze, bro. If it you're gonna make a out. cultural reference, make it quickly, please. It's ooze. Here's what I'm saying, Puma. There's no reason for this weird multi-fruit tree. There's just no reason for. It. I agree with your statement. All I want to do is grow olives so I can have my own olive oil in my backyard. I can't grow. What else can I grow here? You are the most hipster non-hipster I've ever avocados? met in my entire life. Can you grow avocados here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Can you? 
I don't know. No, I don't think you can grow avocados They're more southern, here. I think. Aren't they warmer? They have to be warmer climber, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Can you grow bananas here? Oh, figs. I wanted to grow figs. Yeah. Figs would be cool. You need to put a big green. Is the square part, is that the Newton? Why do they call them fig <laughs> Newtons? Is the squ- is yeah, the- yeah, yeah. The Newton is the type of is the type of thing. Figs in the it's the type of cake. So I could get an apple Newton? Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, not yeah. made by the same company. Yeah, but like I they, can walk they deal a, specifically in figs. Can I walk to a bakery and be like, I'll take a lemon Newton, and they'll know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, they don't do I that. I mean, I'd probably go to a, to a bakery that makes Newtons. I've never seen a Newton at a legit bakery. Neither have I. I didn't know about this Newton cake thing until about 15 seconds yeah. ago when Ben said It's not a cookie. It's cake. Google bakery Newton. See what comes up. Bakery Newton. Yeah, Newton, Newton Bakery. <laughs> Something that makes Newton. Newton Bakery. I, there's probably going to be a bakery in Say Newton, what, Iowa. Right, what is it? comes yeah. up. Yeah. I hope the Newton Bakery in Newton, Iowa makes okay, Newtons. Okay, hold on. Can I buy a Newton not from Nabisco? Is that the question? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Oh, man. they've No. Amazon. Newton. 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 Is Newton a legit... Is, is a Newton a legit food? That's the next question. I feel like people have been... I, I did not expect this question to have been asked before. Okay. Uh, 15 places for homemade food in Newton. No. Urban Dictionary, non-legit food. It's not Do not food. go to Urban Dictionary for anything. Fair enough. Yeah, Nabisco oh, made up the new... Terrible decision. <laughs> Dad, did you- well, I mean, it, it was on the search results, and I read it, and I'm like... Oh, no, mercy. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. A- All right, you've been listening to Life in the Path. All uh, I want is an olive tree, Ben, uh, that I can have in Iowa. Hey, if you want some kind of perverse tree in your line and want to tell us what it is, give us a call or text yeah. to 515 We'd like to know what you'd like to grow in your backyard that makes no freaking sense. It was a fruit cocktail tree, <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, that's what they call it's it. It's the fig rolls you're looking for. What do you mean? The fig Newton is a, a, tr- a version of the fig roll. Oh. Where'd Newton come from? Was the guy who created it named Newton? The Nabisco trademarked. Yeah, see, you can't buy a legit Newton at a bakery like you done said. Here's the deal. Also, if you want to do the research and figure out where the Newton came from and you want to give us a call about this, we'd love to hear it if you have the time to research it. Yeah, here's the thing. You acted all worldly on me like I, there's a whole world of Newtons that I didn't know anything about. Hold on. Hold on. Give, give, us, give us a call on the complaint slash Newton information line. Yeah. Hold on. Fig Newton fun facts. Fig Newtons were created in 1891 by the Kennedy Biscuit Works in Cambridgeport, Massachusetts. They had named many of their cookies for nearby towns and almost called it the Fig Shrewsbury. <laughs> Oh, yes. Before Newton won out. I would love to wait, be wait a Fig Shrewsbury's. This seems really suspicious. Alternate story. The man who originated the Fig Newton, Charles Roser, put his cookie recipe to work in his factory in Kitten, Ohio, and sold it to Nabisco in 1910. According to Nabisco, Fig Newtons were named after either Sir Isaac Newton or the town of Newton, Massachusetts. But for what reason would they be named after after Sir Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton? Yeah, that's a weird thing. It's like, oh, you know, because of all his scientific achievement, <laughs> yeah. we're going to name this cake after him. Have you ever noticed that when you drop a Fig Newton, it falls? Oh, man, that reminds me of Sir <laughs> hey, Isaac Newton. I got a joke. Ready, Bubba? I'm ready. Knock, knock. Who's there? Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac who? Newton who? Excuse me. <laughs> you don't know who Sir Isaac Newton is? No, dummy. You dummy. <laughs> Shrewsbury. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole joke. <laughs> Man, I, I think I'm going to start calling them Fig Shrewsberries. Yeah. That's funner. All right, here's the deal. <laughs> it is funner. Hey, we've wasted the last three, minute, three minutes of the end of the we show. We didn't waste yeah. the first one. We burned. Th- I've, been, I've been running outro music for the last eight minutes. Sorry. Okay. Uh, all right, so you've been listening live from Pat. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, <laughs> the show's terrible. Give us a complaint. 515-517-0085. Call or text to work. Uh, we will see you next week. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>